everyone welcome back to the i should totally be dead right now podcast where we tell true stories of survivors of true crime natural disasters and everything else between how's it going michelle it's going good it's going good awesome i got this cocktail in my hand it's sunny outside i'm ready to well, rock for you i know it's if, all rainy where you are <laughs> yeah stormy love it wet <sighs> i know i'm a Beautiful. little jealous i will admit uh, i'm so glad rain, hardly boo but I'm so glad you said yes to this because like it was trying to like we could do this drink, dot dot dot, or this drink. And you're like, well, let me like, look up some recipes. I'm like, or we could do the same drink I just said. And you're like, oh, <laughs> okay. Well, good call, Caitlin. Well Thank done you. on pushing it through because it's Thank delicious. You. I have- feel like I'm going to have a couple more even after this podcast is done being recorded. Oh, good. Yeah, I mean, you can't go wrong with it, honestly. And- it is. I could see it being a perfect like Thanksgiving punch, mm, like if you made it big. So big I'll let you you tell us what's in that. Well, my friends, this is a cranberry Moscow mule. Mm-hmm. So what's in it? It's four ounces of ginger beer, four ounces of cranberry juice, two ounces of vodka or rum. We went with vodka, of course. Obviously. Uh, <laughs> one juice of a lime and then uh, pour it over ice and you're good to go. We decided also it would be good with some mint mashed yeah. into it, I think. Mm-hmm. Or a big yeah. sprig of mint right on top. That would be good also. Absolutely. But Moscow mules are my favorite go-to drink. And plus you get a cute little copper cup. Um, adorable. That's true. I don't have any copper cups here. Oh my god. Copper cups are in storage. Thanks, Caitlin. Uh, She's like, my fault. to respond to that. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to drink oh. it right in your face. Yep. Uh, but uh, so, yeah, please enjoy that. Like like she said, you could do it in a big punch. Yeah, I bet that would be delicious. And super pretty. I put like lime slices all on top and Some cranberries mm. in it. Mm. They didn't have oh, cranberries yeah. at the store where I went. So I'm like, whatever. It's fine. Yeah. Give it another like week and they'll be you'll be bombarded. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, all right. Well, should we jump into it then? Hell Yeah. All right, so this story is about Lyle O'Delian. All right, Lyle. Lyle. So Lyle lives in Fox Chapel, Pennsylvania, Hmm. and he is, oh no, I can't read my own handwriting. He's either 50 or 58. I like connected (laughs) it and it looks like, I think 50. Okay. He's 50 years old and he's actually retired from the NHL, which is the National Hockey League. Oh, so he's like an ex-hockey player? Yep. He Ooh, was la, a defense- la, okay. <laughs> he was a defenseman and won the Stanley Cup with Montreal. He was on that, t- on that team in 1993. Uh, he played with several different teams, including the Pittsburgh Penguins uh, for his final season from 2005 to 2006. This man has a high pain tolerance. You know, hockey is very physical. So he. I remember... Had- if you don't mind me jumping in here real quick, because <laughs> obviously it. it's going to happen. Sorry. <laughs> My dad actually played minor league hockey for quite a bit of his uh, like late teens into his 20s. Mm-hmm. And he said that he got hit in the face with a hockey puck. And but his, everything was numb because he was so frozen. And then he went to the hospital and he said that was the worst pain of his life. Like his nose coming back to life, I guess, from being so cold and then it being broken that he quit after that. 
Really? He was like he was done because it hurt so bad. Dang. So, well, Lyle, he's <laughs> had a busted knee, a broken nose, a broken jaw uh, throughout his whole career. So he's oh been gosh. banged up, but he still kept coming back. But he's now retired. So uh, in 2018, in March, Lyle went on a golfing trip with his friends in Arizona. So he's, he's living the life. He's a golfer, you know? Yeah. Living that retired life. Mm -hmm. So they're enjoying the day and Lyle went into the rough to retrieve a ball and he wanted to make sure that it wasn't his ball. He was retrieving it for someone else. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Lyle. (laughs) (laughs) He stays on the green, you know? Indeed. I was helping a friend. (laughs) And as he was getting the ball, he feels some pain on his leg. He looks down and he sees that he was attacked by a jumping cactus. What? Yeah. So it is a spiky ball that detaches from the stock at any slight touch or movement. It like jumps at whatever made that movement. Pass. These are in Arizona. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Arizona is banned for me forever. Yeah. It's so weird. They jump. They really do. They. Okay. So not only is there skinwalkers in Arizona is what you're (laughs) telling me, but there's also now jumping cactuses. Forget it. Or cacti. I don't even know. I don't care. (laughs) I'm done with them. Arizona, you're out. (laughs) So this cactus was embedded into his leg, which he could not get out with his hands because it's all spiky all around. So they had to use a golf club to get it off of him and they continued on playing. Uh, it's a week later now, and Lyle has is now home, but now complaining of leg pain and flu-like symptoms. Hmm. He decided to stay home instead of going to another golfing trip in California this time. Where there are not jumping cactuses. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's also California, so who knows? Yeah. But, so he talked to his wife, who's already in California, because she had her own business trip to do. I guess she's still working. Dang, right? Yeah. So she asked asked one of their close friends to check in on him and the friend goes and they were shocked to see what kind of shape he was in. Oh Um, no. Seeing how bad of shape he was, they took him to the hospital. He has a high pot again, high pain tolerance, which did not help him because he sat at home for too long without treatment. Oh, that is like my worst fear about any ailment that I have. Cause I hate mm. going to the doctor. And so I just like push through. Yeah. And oh. sometimes you cannot. Sometimes you cannot absolutely should not. So they got him checked in and what they found out was he has a blood infection. <gasps> That's not good at all. No. Now I want to say that jumping cactus are not poisonous. The barbs are not poisonous. It could have had some bacteria on it that Mm. once it embedded into his skin, it could have came off then. Or since it was an open wound, other bacteria could have got in. It got exposed to something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So they're not, they're not poisonous people just to make sure I was buying what you're selling. (laughs) So just stay away from cactus anyways, though. So that seems like sound advice. Thank you. Uh, they take him to the surgical intensive care unit and give him antibiotics. They keep him to monitor him and thought that he could go home with a f- within a few days. So but... they weren't freaking out at no. this point. They were no. like, we got to take your leg. You're fucked forever kind of situation. 
No, it was just he had uh, he had infection in his blood, which is scary, but antibiotics should take care of it. Okay. Okay. So it's been a few days and all of a sudden Lyle crashes and his body completely shuts down. Oh. He is incubated and placed in a medically induced coma. The infection damaged his aortic valve, which controls the blood pumping from the heart to the rest of the body. The infection damaged his valve so badly that half of the blood pumped out was actually coming back into the heart rather than into his body. Oh, no. That makes sense? Yeah. Yeah. That's that valve is not working correctly at all. So Lyle actually already had some mild underlying liver and kidney conditions. And with a decreased blood flow, it stressed these organs, causing them to fail. Oh, my God. They probably got pummeled playing hockey and stuff. Yeah, I'm sure. Absolutely. Oh my God. I've been to a few hockey games and it's like, I've, I don't like to admit this, but man, when those fight breaks out, it's like the best part of the whole damn thing. And you're like, that's what I hear though. (laughs) I want to, I haven't been to a hockey game before, but they sound fun. They are fun. They have, um, the winter Hawks up in Portland Mm. and it's a minor league. So they're all young. They're like 17 and 18 and stuff. And, um, but they play really well and it's fun to watch. Cool. I actually might go to one this month. I don't know. Do it. It's totally fun. We had season tickets for a while and it was cool. All right. Sorry. Uh, I lost my place. Okay. So this makes repairing the damaged aortic valve very complicated. So they had two choices. They either do nothing and he dies or they have to do a triple transplant of the aortic valve, kidney, and liver. Oh, are you serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that this is, feels like almost impossible. This is an extremely rare transplant that has been performed only a handful of times and never at this hospital. Oh my gosh. Well, and how do you even get the organs? Like you have to have a liver, kidney Mm -hmm. and everything kind of come together. Oh my gosh. Okay. Keep going. The other thing was though, if they went forward with the operation, were the chances that he would survive? I mean, he's Mm. older. I mean, 50 is not old, but older. I don't know. Thanks, Caitlin. That felt very committed. (laughs) Oh my goodness. You just turned 45. Do you know that you're almost 50? Were you aware of that? Yes. But you're not. So (laughs) let's just say he's 58. Maybe that's what I wrote. He could be 58. All right. Actually, it could be. Fuck it, guys. I'm so sorry. He's 50 (laughs) or 58. He's in his 50s. Okay. My God. There we go. Well, I wrote it too fast. Okay. So, so the aortic valve would come from a cow, actually. Oh, I know they do a lot of stuff with pigs. Like pig valves and stuff. I know they can replace a lot of parts of your heart with that. Well, there we go. But this was a cow. So maybe it's more bougie. I don't know. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But the liver and the kidney would have to come from someone. So with a 100% chance of death without the surgery or a 90% chance with the surgery. So they decided. Go for it. Yep. They knew Lyle was a fighter. So let's go for it. So he was placed at the top of the transplant list, not because of his status or, you know, his history, right? but it was based on the MELD score, which is model for end stage liver disease. So the sucky thing is just a waiting game now. Mm -hmm. And he, Lyle is still in a coma. I mean, they put him under for a coma. So all this is happening while he is in a coma. So a week goes by. 
Um, absolutely. Right. A week goes by and the doctors think he only has about 24 hours to 48 hours left. If they can't find, (laughs) you know, right. But they actually received news that a 49-year-old organ donor passed away with a healthy liver and kidney. Oh, Very wow. Lucky. Yeah, I guess you could get it from the same body. I was thinking two people had <laughs> One to One and done. <laughs> Gosh. That's so funny. Pull yourself together, Michelle. Do math. Come on. Are you an organ donor, Michelle? Yes, I am an organ donor. I am as well. They actually told me because um, I apologize again, but no, go ahead. When my dad passed, I guess they used his eyeballs. Really? So, yeah, and maybe some of his skin or something like that. He was an organ donor, but all of his organs had shut down when he passed, and so right. it was. Um, I was like, "What the hell would they even use?" And they were like, "Well, probably his eyeballs and probably part of his skin." Yeah. Something about the eyes. I don't know. Well, I mean, no I one know. wants my eyes. I can't see. No one wants my kidneys because they have stones in them. No one wants my <laughs> lungs because I have asthma. So <laughs> poor Caitlin. Sorry. I can't give anyone anything. We're going to pass on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. We'll move on. So do do do. Okay. So they found a donor and it's now been a month since Lyle has been in a coma. Hmm. So he was taking, it is a long time. So he was taken into surgery and the plan was to first replace the valve with one team of doctors. And then a second team of doctors would step in for the liver transplant. And then with Lyle's chest left open, he would rest overnight to allow the liver to resuscitate. Then in the morning, they would transplant the kidney. Wow. Really? Yeah. That is complex. It is. Yeah. So Lyle's wife and family waited for hours. So the valve surgery took five hours. The liver took six hours. And the next day, the kidney took eight hours. Oh my gosh. But it was a success. So (sighs) there we go. Two weeks after the operation, Lyle comes out of the coma. He couldn't talk yet, but he was winking at nurses and showing signs of awareness. Uh-huh, Lyle, <laughs> you dog. Lyle was suffering from post-surgical complication called critical illness polyneuropathy. Oh. Right? Which is the, that which means the body becomes paralyzed uh, following trauma or infection. Oh, I've never even heard of such a thing. Well, I said it right, Michelle, so. I know, nailed I it. <laughs> I wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> so he could move his shoulders. And his head, but anything below that was completely paralyzed. Wow. So as he was coming out of this delirium and more conscious, being paralyzed, it was the hardest thing for him knowing that he cannot move. But one day, Lyle felt a tingle in his finger. So he threw himself into rehab, which was more painful. Anything else than all the hits he took in the NHL. It works. I don't know why NHL is so weird to say for me. I think because I'm just you saying NFL. Yeah, probably. So NHL is, it's, I don't know. It doesn't flow. Well, there's just not easy. a lot of hockey in Oregon. No, there's not. Like it's not a big sport there. Like it is mm-hmm. in the East coast and up in Canada and things. Right. And... Well, he states every day got a little bit better. The hardest thing was probably trying to stand up to take that first step. Uh, he had a lot of support from family and friends from the hockey world as well. 
early June, he was discharged from the hospital to a rehab unit. So what was it? March that he, yeah, I was actually going to ask you how long it's been now. Yep. So he went so golfing almost in March. Three months. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Dang. At that point, you probably know the hospital staff so well. Oh, well, no, right. he was in a coma. Never oh, mind. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> Most of the time he was in a coma. Yeah. <sighs> Until he woke up and to wink at the nurses. <laughs> yeah. But he began to build strength and slowly gaining back some of the 70 pounds he's lost. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a lot. And now July, he finally gets to go home. He's still unable to walk by himself, but he can go home. Oh, my goodness. He continued to improve. And by October, he flew to Montreal to attend the 25th anniversary celebration for the 1993 Stanley Cup that he won. Okay. I bet that was fun. Yeah. Now only using a cane, he decided that he would not use it during the trip. He states, I'm not using a cane to walk in front of 20,000 people. When you have to do something, your brain will overcome. Oh, so, shoot. so with Jefferson's starship, nothing's going to stop us now blaring over the, <laughs> yes. the speakers. Yes. Lyle did stand and wave unassisted. Woo. Good job, Lyle. Now I want to that song. check it out. Uh, you don't that song? No, I mean oh. uh, him at the. I mean they oh, probably yeah. filmed that whole thing. Oh, I'm sure. Imagine. All right. Uh, so now December of 2019. So this happened in 2018. So it's been okay a year. So December 2019, Lyle went in for a checkup, and all his numbers are perfect. He was told that he didn't have to come back for six months, but he still goes once a month just to make sure that he's on the right path. Nice. He's excited to get back to the golf course. And continue on with his retirement. Just not in Arizona ever again. Not in Arizona. Yeah, (laughs) let's just, let's leave that behind. If we're ever playing golf in Arizona, Caitlin, I'm going to make you go get my ball in the rough because, (laughs) because you know, it's going to be there. (laughs) It's all the jumped in cacti. We, you should look up a video of it. It's quite interesting, but yeah. Of the jumping. Yeah, I mean, just a, barely a little, like someone put a t-shirt like just next to it and it just jumped right onto it. Oh, wow. They don't fuck around. They don't no, want they you don't. around. Oh my gosh. Yeah, they hook tenaciously into people who get too close. Mm-hmm. You don't That's even crazy. have to touch them. You just have to get close. Like, terrible. Yeah, and boom. It's boom. right there. Stuck in you. What? Hard yes, pass. Hard pass, indeed. Well, I feel like this is maybe a little bit not really related, but I don't know, some bizarre thing that happens to you out in nature. Okay. <laughs> my story is about. So this story is about Ryan Osmond. Okay. And we're going back to February of 2019. Okay. So it's early in the morning. Well, 8 a.m. For me, that's fairly early. <laughs> yeah. Um, Him, uh, Ryan and his girlfriend, Jessica, uh, had just arrived at Utah's Zion National Park. I feel Mm -hmm. like we've probably told stories about there before. I think it's a pretty, maybe not, but all kinds of people survive there all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they had actually recently traveled from their home in Mesa, Arizona. So, you know, they're on the wrong track already. The plan was to hike this 14 kilometer long subway trail. Okay, what's that? Kilometers? I don't know. 
I'm American. Good question. Michelle. Usually I get it all worked out before I even tell the story. So hold on. Kilometers two mile. I think it's probably maybe like seven miles. That's my guess. That's a long hike. Oh, I was wrong. 8.7 miles is That's how even long. longer so, hike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's a decent hike, but I guess it has this stunning tunnel-shaped canyon that they were very oh, excited about. That sounds pretty. Yeah. Apparently it's an amazing hike and it's very well known and a lot of people love it. Halfway through their hike, which their hike included going over boulders and kind of going over streams and things, the sunshine gave way to snow. So it started snowing on them. Soon after they reached the subway, the sort of the rust color walls of the subway trail. I think there's like, this is a very famous um, trail that you probably have seen pictures of where, you know, you see all the really cool uh, rock formations and mm -hmm. such here. I don't know if you can see that. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's beautiful. But it's, it's very iconic and very Utah-y. <laughs> um, so they reached the, the really cool part of the subway trail and there was a small pond that was in their way that uh, kind of didn't allow them from continuing on the trail, but the pond looked shallow. So they sort of began to go through it. Okay. So, and Jessica, uh, was leading the way in going through this shallow pond. And so about five feet from the edge of the pond, her foot sank into a sandy bottom oh. and then she sort of fell forwards and then both legs started to sink. And so Ryan lunged at her and was able to grab her under her shoulders and pull her out of the muck. Um, and she was able to get back to shore, but now Ryan is sinking and he is sinking in quicksand. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so it's so funny. Like, I guess quicksand is pretty prevalent. Like you can find it all over the world oh, yeah. and it's yeah. uh, pretty easy to mistake it for standing water and other, you know, or it's no just, joke. No, it is no joke as it turns out. I did a lot of research on quicksand after oh. you know, a lot, maybe a little bit of an exaggeration, <laughs> um, but we'll kind of get back into more about quicksand once we're done with Ryan and Jessica. So Ryan is now sinking into quicksand and the muck came all the way up to his right thigh and up to his left calf. So he's wow. sort of going deeper on one side. Uh -huh. And so he was able to get his left leg out that wasn't fully as submerged, okay. um, but his right leg would not budge. Hmm. So Jessica handed him a long stick that they had like picked up as a walking stick earlier mm -hmm. on their trail. And so he sort of jammed it down the side of his leg and started to wiggle it. So he could hopefully pull his leg out, kind of create a little more space around okay. his leg, but nothing would work. He was completely mired in the quicksand. So Jessica started now trying to scoop the sand out mm -hmm. and try to unbury him it ended up just refilling faster than she could even pull it out oh my god yeah he's like no you better stop because you're just gonna make yourself exhausted mm. and it's not helping anyway so at this point he's got his one leg out his one his right leg 
submerged completely to his thigh uh-huh. and Jessica is there really unable to help him. Wow. And he's not sinking anymore, but he certainly can't get out. He's completely stuck. Like there's, I think there's almost like a suction that happens. Have you ever gotten stuck in mud yourself and yeah. then end up like walking out and losing your shoe mm-hmm. or something? Yeah, and, it's true. And it's just like the, it just suctions right onto you. So they were not able to call for help because there was zero cell reception. So the only cell reception was five hours back on the trail at the beginning of the trail. Hmm. So they had been hiking for five hours by the time he got stuck in the quicksand. Oh my gosh. So in order to get help, he was like, Jessica, you got to hike back. Oh my gosh. Hell no. I am a fairly novice hiker. I don't hike by myself. That's very scary. I don't know what to do. Even though she was very scared and she had never hiked alone, as I said, he convinced her to go out and go back on the trail and go to the beginning so she could try to call for help. So Um, as long as he's not moving, he's not sinking anymore. That's right. And as it turns out, once you hit waist deep, most likely you're not going to sink anymore. Oh, really? Like that is one thing I learned about quicksand is you're probably, you're not going to die from drowning. You're probably going to die from exposure to the elements because you're stuck or hypothermia or heat exhaustion or whatever it is around you. It's, you're not going to just keep on sinking. That's a little comforting, honestly. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit. (laughs) So Jessica has headed out back to the trailhead on a trail that's been called very strenuous by the national park service oh no it's not an easy trail i guess is kind of the point so 30 minutes after she leaves it starts to snow heavily oh my god starts to really come down so ryan zipped up his jacket and put his head inside and at some point he was actually able to uh go to sleep for a little while so that's okay that is nice (laughs) he did not know how long he was out but he woke up with his upper body sort of slipping backwards into the quicksand oh so he was able to sort of plant his stick that walking stick into Uh dry ground and kind of push himself back up oh okay so he's sort of back upright he was completely exhausted. He knew that if his entire body fell in, like if he did fall backwards, there was no way he'd ever be able to get out because he's just so tired at this point. His leg is at a very weird angle and it's just his whole situation is just very funky and not fun. It's been like five hours since Jessica has left and now it's starting to get dark. Oh my God. So it's snowing. It's getting dark. He's stuck with one leg in the quicksand. And it's cold. And I'm sure the mud is really cold too. Oh, it's got to be. Yeah. Yeah. Like everything has to be freezing. I just assumed like when you're out hiking, it's got to be a warm day. It's like 90 degrees out or something. (laughs) Not the case. I guess it's February. So whatever. Whatever, (laughs) Ryan. I get it. So a few hours later, he saw a light through his jacket. And he was like, is it a helicopter? Am I being rescued? But then he realized it was the moonlight sort of shining into this canyon. 
and he is now he's completely soaking wet because of the snow mm -hmm. and the quicksand. And at this point, he's pretty clear he's not going to make it. Oh, but my gosh. There's no way he's going to be able to wait until Jessica comes back from help with help. No. He is quickly losing hope. Aww. So now he's like sort of strategizing on how he can die faster, oh. like to put himself out of misery. I um, guess. But he knew that he didn't want to drown. So mm. he like, he pretty much was like, I'm not going to fall backwards to drown myself because that has got to be one of the worst ways to go. Yeah. And Ryan, and I would agree. Like, well said. Drowning in mud type? Yeah. Like, uh no. Like drowning is bad enough, but right. drowning is in mud, forget it. Forget it. So he's just, now it's a waiting game as he's strategizing on how to die quicker. So an hour later, another light shines and it kind of shines across his eyes and he realizes that it's a flashlight. <gasps> and so he starts yelling for help. He's like, oh, help, I'm here, I'm here. And there was a man that hollered back to him and he's just like, I'm here, I'm here. And the man is kind of yelling that he's coming to get him. And he said his name is Tim and that Jessica had gotten through to rescuers and that Tim had hiked up and the rest of his crew was about an hour behind him. And so I'm sure Ryan is like, oh, are you kidding Seriously? me? So when the three other men arrived, they set up a pulley system to okay. get him out of the quicksand. So they tied an anchor strap around a boulder and two of the rescuers held him under each of his shoulders. So I guess one each had an arm. And then Tim wrapped a strap around his kneecap. And I think this is mm. the kneecap that's out. Okay. So it's his right kneecap. And then there was a the fourth rescuer that sort of worked the pulleys as they're trying to kind of get him out. They're pulling him up. They got his knee, his shoulders, all kinds of things. And so they're starting to sort of ratchet him up, mm -hmm. I guess, for better. I don't know if that's the right way to put it, but here we are. And he said that his leg that was stuck in the quicksand, it felt like it was getting ripped off. So they, uh, Tim sort of dug in the sand and tried to sort of make room for his leg coming up. So they were digging out around the oh, leg okay. as they're pulling, ratcheting him up. Jeez. And they, he actually was able to reach down and get a hand around his ankle. Oh, okay. And he started pulling up and uh, Ryan said it was completely agonizing, but oh. he could feel his leg moving. And so he's like, keep going, keep going. <laughs> Like you're getting there. So he was in total pain, but also being rescued. So he was okay with it. That's like, some really thick mud then. Yeah. No, I guess it like, it gets very, I don't even know. It's, it's like liquid sand. Kinda, right. And then it just, Suction. every time you move, it just moves right back into the spot mm. where you were. And so it's just, and then it suctions kind of onto you. Right. So they kept is it actually sand? Sorry, is it actually sand? Oh. Well, this is. It sounds like this is more muck, muck. like sediment. Okay. Uh -huh. Um, because as it turns out, quicksand can either be sand and water, mm -hmm. dirt and water, sediment and water, or even oh. two different kinds of sand. 
Like you can get quicksand that has no water in it. That's completely dry. It's just smaller particles of sand versus bigger particles of sand. And you can just like fall right into it. Freaking science, dude. I know. It's like, whatever. <laughs> I guess it's very similar to, I don't know if you've ever seen it when they put like cornstarch and water on a speaker, the, mm-hmm. the vibration of the speaker makes the cornstarch almost solid. I don't know. It's it's very oozy. And then with the vibration, it becomes more solid. And that's actually very similar to how quicksand works. Interesting. I don't Hmm. know. Anyway, I probably did not explain that well at all, but here we go. No, that makes sense. No, that made me, because I've seen, there's like this giant, not pool, but it was this like this giant thing of sand. And when they had some vibrations going in it, it was liquidy so they got to they could swim in it but once the vibration stopped it was a solid like you cannot jump in it it was very solid yeah it well I, it's yeah your movement actually makes it more liquidy right because of the vibrations huh. you know in my brief google search <laughs> what i vaguely discovered huh. some scientists out there is like oh my god these bitches <laughs> okay okay so back to ryan yeah So three more ratchets and he was free. So they were able to actually get him up and out. And the rescuers dragged him kind of up the side of the canyon because (laughs) he couldn't walk. He couldn't even feel his leg. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. And it was too dark and snowy for a helicopter. So they actually just gave him a sleeping bag and a pain medication. And they all settled in for the night. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, we got to sleep here. Sorry, we can't help you further. So they woke up the next morning at 6 a.m. And there was snow like all over their sleeping bag. And there's big flakes still coming down. And so around noon, the weather kind of got better. And they were able to call for a helicopter because i'm sure at this point ryan cannot walk no i'm surprised like he didn't have hyperthermia yeah no well it's probably a nice sleeping bag perhaps (laughs) um so his his leg had his entire leg had swollen to the size of his thigh so it was just like one big trunk wow but when he got to the hospital they did all these x-rays and he didn't have a single break or a single fracture Wow. Okay. His leg was actually totally fine. So he had sat in the quicksand for 12 hours and was sure he would die. But in fact, he did not. Good. He recovered fully and his leg was fine. And he's probably out hiking as we speak. My goodness. Uh, That's crazy. I do have a little bit of information. Let me kind of. Yeah. Please do find it real quick of how to survive quicksand. Yes, please. Let us all know. So I did a whole like, what is quicksand? And as we talked about, it's the it's like something solid is made liquid by the vibration. Right. Okay. So which allows you to sink. And then, of course, it makes it hard for you to escape. Let me pull up my how to get out of quicksand. One thing they say is to immediately, if you have anything on you, like Uh a backpack or you're holding anything, your shoes, your jacket, whatever, try to get rid of them because you want to try to make yourself as light as possible. Oh, and actually try to take a few steps backwards, like sort of retrace your steps and you might be able to sort of work your way out. 
And then keep your arms up and out of the quicksand because you don't want to get your arms stuck in there. Um, And then try to reach for a branch or a person's hand to pull you out and take deep breaths and move slowly and deliberately. But most likely you're going to need to find help. Like they said, the best way to escape it is to call someone to get help. Right. Yeah. So, okay. So again, to escape quicksand, you want to keep your head up. You want to try to backpedal and use your surroundings to help pull yourself out. So if you, you know, see a branch or a root or something, you want to try to grab onto that. Let's see. I guess that's like it. have to do your okay here's a uh what not to do okay do not panic that despite what movie scenes say you're not dense enough to sink all the way under quicksand right so and keeping your wits about you will help you escape easier you know Mm. so you're not freaking out and tempting as it may be, do not ask your hiking buddies to yank you out of your sandy trap. You got to use slow and steady movements that'll end up being more successful to, than pulling you out. Okay. Because again, there's a big quicksand vacuum. Swing your arms. This is what you don't want to do. You don't want to swing your arms. You want to try to back float your way out. So you want to try to lay on your back and have it sort of use your own buoyancy to slowly pull yourself out and do not try to float on your stomach because you uh-huh. end up just getting your head stuck in the quicksand and you'll end up suffocating and dying yeah that sounds uh, yeah your stomach doesn't sound like a good idea but trying to stay calm being stuck is easier said than done because i, I <laughs> like give me out give me out give me out no 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 and I'd be flailing all over and I'd be like Ryan like how do I just kill myself sooner because this is the end forget it that's so sad well 12 hours is a long time I probably would yeah and poor Jessica like on that responsibility yeah (laughs) like oh I couldn't even imagine yeah I always like that meme that I forget what it's it's something a lot along the lines like movies made it seem like quicksand would be a bigger problem than it is <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it turns out it is a problem it so. is well it can be Indeed. i have i have not ran into quicksand in my lifetime and i hope i never do but thank well, you michelle quicksand can be pretty common on beaches really yeah well, that like makes sense sand tide. and water yeah, you you go out. There can be pockets of quicksand kind of out along the coast. Oh, so, that's terrifying. Yeah, be careful of that. <laughs> All beaches uh. are out now. So Arizona and the beach. Sorry. Pass. <laughs> yeah. Pass. And now Utah. You're out. We'll just make a have a map of just X's through states that were like, nah, we're <laughs> Not there's gonna, gonna be them. this like small little area in the u.s yeah. that is my home <laughs> it's just here. disneyland yes. <laughs> that's perfect you can't it can't be disney world because last time i was there there was hurricanes so oh that's right i remember here fine next story is going to be about an earthquake is <laughs> it out no oh yeah i mean california now it will be also, I mean, I think Oregon is perfect. Not like we don't have tornadoes. I mean, we do have, you know, some volcanoes, but you know, the chances of them 
Well, and a corrupting. lot of forest fires and Oh, that's true. I think there is earthquakes there. There's a big fault line. Oh, we just had one. Oh, did you? Did you yeah. feel it? I didn't, but a lot of people did. It was during the night, so like I didn't feel it, oh. but our neighbor did. And yeah, everyone's like, yeah, I felt it. And I was like, I did not. I slept right through it. I would have probably slept right through it as well. Mm-hmm. Or just assumed that the dogs were like jumping on the bed or something and been like, come on, knock it off. Yeah, I didn't feel nothing. But yeah, we had one recently. So hmm. sheesh. That's interesting. Well, that was a good story, well, they- though. They do say a time traveler came back and said that the entire Oregon coast was going to be gone in 50 uh, years. In 50 years? Yeah. It was oh, like okay, by well, 2050. 2050. All right. Well, that's okay. Cause that's, yeah, you got some be, time. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> All right. On that note. <laughs> uh, well, those are really good stories. So um, watch out going to nature, guys. <laughs> yeah. Don't just go stay to Arizona. Stay away from it. Yeah. So now you know the dangers of Utah and Arizona. So, (laughs) well, we hope you enjoyed this episode and we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening. Goodbye. Goodbye.